Now we know that finding the perfect non-alcoholic drink can sometimes feel like a major challenge, but we've discovered something that's about to knock your socks off and your taste buds too. Go Brewing. Did you know Go Brewing was rated number one, number one, Michaela, for non-alcoholic beer in the country and rightly so. Fun fact. All of their beers fall under the gluten-free guidelines, so you won't get that gross bloated feel that you sometimes can get when you're drinking, let's be honest. Plus, all their brews without fruit have less than one gram of sugar. Because we want to feel sexy and sober and have fun, Go Brew is the perfect choice for us. And who says beer isn't sophisticated? When you could just put it in a champagne glass like I do. My favorite at the moment is the Sunshine State Tropical IPA from Go Brewing. It's the mango and peach flavor. As a listener, you can save 15% by going to brewing.com slash sobergirls or by using the code sobergirls. Plus, get a free two-day shipping on orders of $40 or more. Again, go to brewing.com slash sobergirls or use our code sobergirls for 15% off. Okay, can I be honest here? Yes. I used to rely on alcohol for a lot of things, including managing my PMS symptoms like anxiety, irritability, feeling blue, ugh, huge mistake. However, as a sober girl today, that is obviously not an option, but have no fear. Ladies, we found a solution to our PMS woes, alcohol so not needed. Enter Jubilance, your daily support and new BFF when it comes to true and effective PMS relief. It's so simple. Just take one capsule a day and keep your symptoms at bay. If you're interested in trying it, you can use the code SOBERGIRLS for $10 off your first order. I've noticed I have more energy, focus, less cravings, and my mood feels so much more balanced. Jubilance is a non-hormonal available over-the-counter and powered by two-ingredient formula used by thousands of women worldwide to live PMS mood symptom-free. Think less anxiety, less irritability, more peace, power, and dare I say, fun all month long. Try Jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com forward slash sobergirls or use the promo code sobergirls at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E.com slash sobergirls for $10 off. Welcome to Choose Sober Girls. We are thrilled to have um, our good friend and guide, Tom Ballerman, back with us. He was on episode 11 when we talked about the sober point of view. Um, now, Tom is a certified peer support specialist. He helps veterans with recovery. And today we're going to jump into navigating relationships in sobriety, which First of all, we want to say congrats to Tom. Um, he just got married December 23rd. So we're Thank so you, happy man. for you. And just to mention, Tom has been sober for about seven and a half years, which is incredible. So we want to just jump right in and just talk about this topic that keeps coming up for Michaela and I all the time. Um, when you decide to put down the drink, but you are either in a relationship already and perhaps your partner drinks or you are desiring to meet somebody it's like a whole different world you know so I'm gonna it's a whole different world so Tom we'll let you just begin and then we'll just kind of jump in because there's so many things we want to share well I mean I just uh, I'll just kind of give you a few anecdotes in my personal journey um I uh pardon me I was uh um 
when I finally put the plug in the jug, Mm -hmm. um, I was like just seeing someone. um, And it was uh, at the time I thought, you know, on paper it was, you know, um, uh, seemed like it was, uh, you know, pretty good. It was casual. It was not in any way uh, physical or anything. It was just, you know, we'd meet at bars. <laughs> and um, so anyway, you know, it's funny because um, I showed her my white chip. You know, when I gave it up, I just said, hey, look, you know, uh, um, you know, I think this is important for me. I just picked up my last DUI. And, um you know, everything, you know, I was trying to, I was putting on a brave face, but everything around me was just absolute chaos. I was like, I don't know, basically, you know, just your average bullshitting dude. Right. Um, but I did, and then my, you know, probably about the only honest thing I ever said was when I showed her the white chip and <laughs> she went in a witness protection program the minute I showed it to her. So, <laughs> you and know, so what so is the white I, chip for I, those who do not know? That's oh for, um, when you uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, the white chip is day one when you finally surrender. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, we were just having like a lunch and I said, look, I'm, I'm going on this journey. Um, you know, um, alcohol, I've, I've done a little bit of the analysis and I've, you know, every issue I've ever had has been around alcohol and I'm, I'm an alcoholic and I'm going to change and gone. <laughs> boasting. Yeah. Which was great. You know, I mean, again, we talk about unanswered prayers, you know, um, um, I wound up meeting like, you know, uh, shortly thereafter, I ended up meeting um, my soulmate and, you know, the woman that now I'm married to. And is she sober? She is. She's actually a recovery coach. She does actually. um, I would love to have her do a podcast with you guys as well, because she specializes in recovery coaching uh, women who wind up with custody issues wow. because of their addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she, has she a sees practice. a lot. <laughs> well, she sees a lot. And yeah. I think that I, that also would be a very pertinent question to people who listen to your podcast yeah. is, mm-hmm. you know, if they're thinking about, maybe they've, you know, maybe they're getting, Maybe they they're thinking they're going to get divorce papers from their significant other because of their drinking. They can't stop. They're you know yeah. yeah. It's anyway. So, uh, but yeah, we um, she doesn't work with me. She for for a different organization, but that's what she does. And uh, you know, um, do you feel that bonded you? Oh, absolutely. That- we actually, you know, when people I coach, I tell them really not to jump into anything really for about the first 18 months, really to bring completely rewired. That's a hard thing to swallow. Now, what do you do in that 18 months? You, you focus on your healing journey, right? Yeah. And you have to like, really, you know, kind of learn who you are, you know, and what you like. Yeah. You know, it was a, a completely new reset button on every aspect of my life, different tastes and foods, well, and I think just to jump in, you know, you were telling people who are addicted not to do another addictive thing. You know, relationships can be quite addictive and it's just a way to swap out that addiction. Okay, so I'm not drinking anymore, but 
great. You are going to solve all my problems. You're going to make me feel better. I'm, you know, it's like this total codependent thing. And so when you're really getting honest and clean, you have to just kind of be you and God. And that's why that recommendation is because then you don't really do the work if you're leaning on another human. Erin, I love that you and God, not with anybody else. Wow. That's profound. That is awesome. And it's so right because it's just you and God. Generally, when you, um, you know, when you finally give it up, you've generally isolated yourself from a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I can't speak for you two ladies, but I guarantee, I'm pretty sure that you guys didn't quit drinking on a winning streak. Like you didn't win the lottery and decide and have like everything perfect in your life and decide as a hobby, you were going to quit drinking. Wasn't on the so generally you're pretty broken at the time. And well, mine wasn't, mine wasn't, mine was, I have been sober curious for, um, about seven or eight years and didn't drink for two, three years at a time. And it was very like, and this is why, what I want to point out. There's different types. Yeah. And, um, even, even the last time I did have a drink, it was just one and I didn't drink maybe months before that. So there was not, I, I, I've, I've, I've grown that and I've done that like space from all the things. Um, I just, I just knew it was not serving my health, me, my nothing, my moods, even just with one. So that was my, you know, that's, that's my story. And I, and that's for, you know, a, a percentage of women as well that you yeah. don't have to hit rock bottom to no, choose. No, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. no. Generally though, when people what we're seeing anyway, when people like decide to make that kind of a change, it is more of a, like either a consequence driven or a, whether it be health, life, financial, yeah. legal. Um, and then, you know, therefore generally a lot of people aren't on winning streaks. And so all they have is God. But I will say I did it because I knew I wouldn't be able to be who I want to be. Mm-hmm. with it in my life. Um, and I'm very like business driven and, um, mm-hmm. I don't like to feel weighed down or clouded in any way. I like to feel clear. And I just, and I remember Wayne Dyer, he was sober for so many years mm-hmm. and he always said, it, it always stuck with me. And, and I love his success. I love his books and, and the life of service that he led. And, and it's inspiring for me. Uh, and he said, I knew earlier on, and he was an alcoholic, um, that I could not have alcohol in my life if I wanted to write these books and do these seminars and help the people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is, that's exactly how I feel. Like that landed in me in that way. And so I, I use that to push me <laughs> forward sure. in this way. Yeah. That is, that is amazing. It. Yeah. So I, yeah. I did the one thing. I coach people not to do. Right. That's what I'm hearing. I yeah. met my wife to be in rehab together. It happens. <laughs> so I did. I mean, it's, you know, so, you know, um, people who know me and, you know, they kind of look at me a little cockeyed and I tell them, you know, but we stayed together for seven years before we got married or for six, six years before we got married because, um, yeah, that gave us time to really, I mean, we went through a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on our own sober journeys, our sober mm-hmm. journey together. Um, you know, so I kind of, I, it allowed, our brains were definitely fully recovered. Well, not, 
the neural pathways have been have been changed to the good certainly mm-hmm. by the time before we before mm-hmm. before we got married mm-hmm. so you know um and that helped us you know but generally I, you know because like for me too like i didn't i didn't know what you know, my change in music tasted, my change in food tasted, my change, my, my, my taste in, you know, um, just things that I like to do. I mean, I don't know, it's just, it's really, um, you know, as like my, the things that I thought, like music, you know, everyone has like guilty pleasure music, you know, whether it's something cheesy that they don't, you know, um, <clears throat> they no longer become guilty pleasures because there's no, I have no guilt in my life, right? So. Hey, amen. You know, so I, I don't think that had I, I understand having kind of gone through my own self-awareness journey that I understand where the 18 months to two years comes from for a relationship. Sure. Because, you know, I'm, I was different from June 6, 2015 yeah. to now. Mm-hmm. It's been you know, a lot of changes. Right. And that's the thing when you are in a relationship with someone and you've drank together, you were drinking buddies and you decide to go a different route for yourself, not for anybody else. I I mean, it can go so many different ways, but you know, whether that person will be inspired or they'll say, you've really changed you know, you are not the same because you, you truly aren't the same physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, you're not coping the same way mm-hmm. and you're not you are on the same cycles. <laughs> yeah. And you're not like on the same cycles. Right. And so what do you see? And I know you work with a lot of men mm-hmm. and let's say when a man does stop drinking, how does that impact? And what are some patterns that you see? Yeah. I, well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I've seen it countless times that when you have an addict in the family, two things are generally, you know, are pretty solid. One is the addiction is a symptom, not a cause. Like it's a symptom of another problem, either inside the family or, or you know, with the person. And it's just manifesting itself in substances. Um and that it, and that the whole family needs to recover, and the pathways for, and the pathway to recovery for um, parents, spouses, sons, daughters is different. And actually, here at Favor, we do a great job of that because we do have family coaches. You know, I mean, um, when you're talking to your family coach, and your family coach might've lost a son to a heroin overdose. You know, they, they weren't, these aren't family coaches on the JV team. These are, these are family coaches that have been through it. Um, so, you know, and you've got, you know, uh, um, you know, family, anyway, I mean, they just very well, very experienced, highly trained and free. But uh, I, what I meant, the reason why I brought that up is here's what I've seen a lot is men or women because in the in the rooms you know you see you know i mean if uh if a man if if if, if an addict quits drinking and not just quits drinking but to your point to your the whole point of your podcast starts to live the sober life Mm -hmm. right they all of a sudden yeah they become different and 
they're no longer see the other person if they're not engaging in recovery they they won't admit it but they kind of like having the addict do the addict things because they can kind of keep them under their thumb you know mm. right you said something so important that i need to like pot engaging in their recovery yeah I think that's so vital. If you have someone that you love in your life and they are just, they've decided they want to stop drinking. I, I highly recommend that you go and you get your own support, whether or not it's Al-Anon or a different modality, because you have to actually understand this disease or this relationship that no longer is, but you know, this dance that has changed and you need Mm -hmm. to learn steps. And I think I've seen you know, my own experience and with, within the rooms, there's a major disconnect. If you don't both, if you're both are not in some sort of recovery together. Oh, right. It's, you are so right. It's not going to, you know, the addict, it's easy to be when you're an active addiction, it's kind of easier to be the doormat in the relationship when you're in active addiction, because you're like, well, they don't know what the fuck I'm doing back here. Right. Or, you know, um, and it's just all, oh, well, you know, I mean, I will go ahead and listen to do whatever they say until the consequences go away when I'm in active addiction. Right. But in sobriety, all of a sudden you gain that thing called a little bit of you know self-esteem. You start to like yourself and maybe eventually love yourself and you're not going to take that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and that the other spouse is sometimes not happy with the idea they can't control the addict anymore because the addict's not, you know, not constantly on their shit list for getting drunk or high or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I see, I've seen a lot of, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of divorce and I'm sure you have too in the rooms where the person who quit drinking was tired of hearing about all the shit they did 10, 15 years ago and holding that over their head because that was a control mechanism that the other person had. Sure. And it's sad because it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. You know, but they, you know, they'll say like old school, like, you know, once a drunk, always a drunk or the alcohol's alcoholism's your problem, not mine. You figure yourself out and then they do. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you do now? Right. You know, Daddy's home. <laughs> and then, or also like you figure yourself out and realize, wait, so I don't actually like doing those, the same things that we did. So, and I think that's something like a lot of our listeners, right? Michaela, where it's like, okay, so now that I'm not drinking, I actually don't like socializing that way. Or I want to do mm-hmm. this, but how do I get my partner to come over here and meet me halfway? Or what do I do if he or she really still loves this, but I don't, it's like finding that space of like, do we have something we can do together? That's fun and fulfilling. And what I found for myself is that when I am, you know, I used alcohol in a lot of ways to just numb and, you know, I was just going through the, you know, not really, okay, you got, you guys want to do this. Okay. I'll do this. But, you know, just, I may be yeah. much more able to do things that I'm like, now I'm like, no, like my time is so precious and that's not really what I want to do. And that's not really me. And I don't want to go to these places or do these things and it's okay. 
but mm-hmm. it causes friction when you're in a relationship because the other person's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to go and have a couple of drinks and have a great time. And I'm like, that's not a great time for me. No. And that's like, um, and so it's, so and it's- I can see people putting pe- other people down about their choice to be healthier and to not drink. Like I can see that in a situation, it's a control mechanism. you know, if, if, if that's the, the control mechanism. Yeah. 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 And I mean, so I guess the question is this, if people are in a relationship and one of them is getting mm-hmm. sober or just, or even just drinking less, some of our listeners just want to drink yeah. less and change their relationship, which is fantastic. What would you recommend, you know, um, be the first step? Because if they, if they want to stay together, let's assume that they want to stay together. How can we support that and make it work? Um, because it's not just going to happen, I guess is what I'm saying. It's just not going to happen. It's like no. alcohol was a major, played a major role in, in the relationship. Now it's not there. It's like, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, uh, what I tell, I tell them, I tell people like, you're going to have to embrace some discomfort and just totally. either, and try the other stuff. Um, try rather than, you know, cause what, and this is still, again, an addict thing. Like, you know, if, we, if we're, we have something we have to do and we don't want to do it, we'll catastrophize and we'll make it this really big issue. And at the end, how many times have we finally addressed the issue and found out it was us? No big deal, right? So, you know, we call it pole vaulting over a mouse turd, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so from that perspective, it just, you know, like just, try the other thing, you know, uh, if the per, you know, support the person that's cutting back on drinking yeah. or quitting mm-hmm. and try what they want to do. And like, uh, take an honest, like open-minded looking for the positives. You know, I'm not exactly somebody you'd want to take to, or nor do I really like the opera, but if, you know, Michelle, my wife, um, said she really wanted to go well I'm gonna go you know and then maybe I might not like it maybe I will but I mean just like mm-hmm. I know just just try the other person's stuff mm-hmm. and um through that I guess and I heard this and I heard this from somebody from addictions counselor who I hold in extremely high regard um and he said this and it just resonated with me it's uh you know because he's in recovery as well and he said, recovery has allowed me to build a life that I do not feel the need to escape from. Beautiful. I, it is because it's just, you know, I mean, in that instance. Even in the boring stuff, like you just, yeah. you're there and it's cool. <laughs> it's part of life. So, yeah. Sobriety, once you start really getting not you know so sobriety it, it does bring a certain calmer stasis to your life sobriety is a boring by nature it's abstaining from stuff you know from stuff that was once fun yeah. so no but i mean if you think about it like that you know you, you just really you know between the two of you find the things that you know i guess if, help start new try new stuff yeah. you know follow see what the the person who is trying and what quit. if it's reversed 
What if you're trying and the other person still wants to continue? You know that, I mean, you, you, you would, uh, and do you, do you I meet sh- them halfway? I struggle <laughs> with boundaries. So I would like, for me, what I say is, you know, you got to put a timeline on, like you can't just walk out of intensive outpatient program and meet your significant other at a bar. No, no I mean, there's got to be a timeline. You can't just like, you know, call just the flight, the, the plane can't land from, promises Malibu or um, the Meadows or Sierra Tucson. And then, Hey, let's go to the bar. Right. That's, you know, so you, 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 you have to, you know, just say, look, I mean, I'm not going to be able to really go to a bar where you like to have drinks and a good time for, you know, till I'm comfortable. And I don't know when that's going to be because this is a new thing. And, you know, it's, Unfortunately, that might be a good litmus test to find out where you stand in that relationship. I totally, like the, you know, I mean, if they're going to put drinking over your well-being, over, over your well-being, and I'd be that guy in active addiction. I'd be like, to the bar I go. So I'm, I'm not talking from any high horse. Right. Um, I'm just saying that, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, that's just really, you know, that in, in the future, what, what would that look like, right? If that's, you know, if, they, if they're willing to put their drinking over you in, in the moment, what's that going to look like down the road? Yeah. As you get more sober, you start giving to others and then you've got some, you know, in your life that just would rather drink over your well-being. that's going to separate your goals are not going to be aligned. Well, and the reason why this person wants to drink in the first place, you know, because I think it also is an opportunity to pause and they can examine their own relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you are so intimately connected to someone who is in active addiction, probably is a good idea to look at your relationship mm-hmm. too, as well. And I think using that language with your partner, because we don't really hear the term of I want to change my relationship with alcohol. Nobody thinks of it that way on a day to day. If you're in it, you're like alcohol is alcohol. It's, it's a, that's one thing that's really good in my life. Like that's what, that's how you're thinking. Mm -hmm. But if your partner comes and like, and doesn't say you need to change your relationship with it, they're saying, I'm working on changing my relationship with it. I'm doing X, Y, and Z to your point, Tom. I'm not going to go out for you for a month and just like take it month by month or week by week. Just say, I'm staying in this weekend. I'm going to do this. Feel free to join me. I want to wake up. And then when they see you thriving in the morning, not being hangover, you're, they're eating really, you know, you're eating really great. It's much easier for you to commit to your commitments. You know, that's admiring, you know, and the right Mm -hmm. person is going to be like, oh, wow. I never even knew that that's possible. Mm-hmm. so yeah I think just having that language around it is really important and what they'll see too is as if you're together and you're and let's just say you're the person who's quitting drinking and you have a significant other who's kind of just doing her own thing you're you're doing as you said Michaela when you go see other people you know that might not have seen you in a in a month or so they're going to see a huge difference in you and they're going to notice that there's a leadership by example there's a you know a not so subtle message there that you know hey 
you might you're seeing them every day and you're seeing them in there you know you're waking up and they're coming in sweaty from their workout already and they're already you know into their day and you know just starting their business and doing that and making connections and just you you end up moving at such a faster pace and yet you still have that downtime in the day like yeah yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like that movie like a star is born where the person that was maybe starts to you know, all of a sudden I need to catch up. I need to do what this person's doing because they're outpacing me in happiness. <laughs> you know, they're doing all this up more, more, more of this stuff and get there. There's a certain level of calm that there's, it's not anxiety driven and, and anxiety ridden. No, it's, it's so beautiful. Also at the same time, this is something like, you know, for me personally, when I first you know, I went to rehab, came back and it was in hell because I was a day, like every day I drank, started at lunch. Like I didn't really know how to go to lunch without wine. I didn't understand people who did it, didn't drink at lunch. And it was such a normal part of my life. I, you know, the fridge was always stocked. Like my home was a big place where I drank. Like it was really, really, really extremely difficult for me to get sober. I'm just going to throw it out there. Like it was It was so, um, it was also hard for me because it was something I did with my then husband and, you know, it was very much like applauded like that. Great. You guys want to meet for lunch, have a couple of drinks, you know, it was never, so it was so much part of our routine in life. So my point being that when I stopped and I came back and I said, okay, I, you know, it's this, or I'm going to die here. I had to invest so much time and attention into my recovery that that time and attention could not go to my spouse mm-hmm. and it was quite difficult for him to realize you're going and so this was also like I got sober and then COVID hit and so then I was on two zoom meetings a day talking to my sponsor you know like it's like a whole thing it's like every day you have this like list checklist of what you're going to do for your recovery and it's rinse and repeat and it's a tremendous amount of time and it's a tremendous investment you were in so much pain that you're just like, okay, I'm going to do it. And this is my medicine. And I, and this is what I needed, but it really aggravated him. And I get it because it was like, wait a second, you went from like this, like fun, let's have a couple glasses of rosé at lunch to like, you're in at least two meetings. You're calling other women. You're like doing like step work homework. Like you were spending so much more time with God. Then of course the exercise and then our two children. So it was, it's so much time. And for anyone listening, you don't, if you have a spouse or a partner who's embarking on this journey, you need to give them that time. They're saving their life. And just to understand that they're not, they're, they don't really have a choice. And I, I didn't have a choice. I had to do these things. I wasn't trying to like, you know, negate my responsibilities as a, you know, as a married woman. It's just, I, I didn't have any more time. Like emotionally, I was drained by that but it's really something that i don't think people talk about it's like you're not gonna have time i'm not really gonna have time and so erin you stopped going out for lunches and things like that you stopped doing the events a lot of my social things because i couldn't because i would you know i was quite depressed like i was that person i was quite depressed that i couldn't drink at lunch so i didn't go like i had to change people places and things for a season and then I, now I, I re-answer and I'm so happy that I don't drink alcohol and I love spending time with my friends and family, but 
you know, the alcohol doesn't even cross my mind, but for that time, I didn't think I could step foot, but that was, that's all we did. We ate out at like every meal and we socialized that way with going out with other families or other couples. And so it was really hard, but the, there is a lot of time that you are investing in rebuilding your life and healing just with like the, the spiritual practices alone and the exercise and the meetings. And so I guess, you know, give that person so much grace in your life if they are embarking on this journey and want to stop drinking and change their relationship, they're not going to have that much time for you. I'm just, they're not. Sure. It will, you will come back around to it, but if you can like hang in there and support them and get your own support at the same time and don't put that added pressure, like oh, another meeting or what, you know, like, yeah. And learn, I would say to the other person too, to your point, Aaron, it is so you're so dead on. Um, I would say to the other person, learn about it because it's yeah. fascinating. I mean, there's the, the neuropsychology of it, like what, what your brain's going through when you were not wanting to go out, you know, because you just really couldn't be, it's, you know, what your brain was actually going through in its prefrontal cortex. I mean, in its uh, amygdala and the midbrain, your lizard brain was just on fire. Like, where is this alcohol? Where is this magic elixir that allowed me to numb myself? And it's not, so, you know, I would say like, learn about, it. be curious rather like, because I'm going to say, I'm going to assume that it started clicking when it started clicking for you, Aaron, you got excited about wanting to do the meetings, wanting to call the girl, oh wanting to call your sponsor, it. you know? Um, so like kind of flip it on its head a little bit. And I would say, learn about it, maybe get, you know, go to an Al-Anon meeting and find out from the other people that are in the meeting, because you walk into an Al-Anon meeting, you generally have, they're happy people. Totally. Because they've established, they understand what their, what their significant, what their spouse or family members going through. They have a better picture. They have their, anyway, I mean, just learn about the, you know, there's other, you know, there's uh, Zoom meetings for family members all the time that, you know, and, uh, um, you know, the, and, and you get some, some real, some real, uh, you know, experience, you know, some strength and hope from these other, the energy from these other families where they're, where they're, you know, their, their uh, addict is doing well and, you know, learning some tricks of the trip. But I mean, I guess the main thing back to what I, you know, just rather than be like, oh, another meeting, go, hmm, another meeting. Mm-hmm. Maybe go with them to uh, uh, an open meeting. Totally. I think that's great advice to go what, and I love what you said, you know, be curious and supportive. Like this yeah. curious and, and I, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to definitely recommend our listeners listen to this with their partner. Yes. I love that. You know, it's not like they're telling them what to do, but it's like, there is another way there's, you know, it's, there, there comes a point in time where it's time to evolve. And it's time to do things differently. And I feel so many people feel, feel stuck because they're not evolving. They're not doing things um, in a better way. You know, it's easy to have this cycle of doing the same thing. You know what to expect, even the failures, right? You know, you know what's happening. It's like you, you almost feel safe in that. Yeah. You feel safe knowing like, oh yeah, I'm going to wake up that way. It's like your body, like it's just a habit. So 
yeah, going in, 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 in this direction, it takes a lot of knowledge, being curious, being open, trying new things. And everybody has a different road for it. But, and you got, you know, you, you can do it together. If and not, you know something? Yeah. You become, I mean, I, I can, I, I honestly, I can tell you, um, I'm a better spouse now mm. than I was then. You know, and I, I would say that to everybody listening, that uh, if you let your spouse or significant other go on this journey, and if they're excited about it, embrace it, learn, go with them, you know, sit in, because they're just, I mean, they're becoming more self-aware. They're learning about, the, you know, they're learning on their own about their failings, their character defects, they talk about it. You know, you don't have to point them out to them anymore you know they're they're becoming a better you know and you know me um you know i i do say this with a lot of regret um i was not the best spouse my first go around um you know again as an addict very self-centered it's me 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 i saw other people in my life as two-dimensional like you know just are they're either in the way of my drinking or how can I work with them to enhance my, you know? So, um, you know, there was co-occurring disorders with PTSD, with some military stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but, um, you know, I can say that I'm a better spouse now. And I think that you would have a better spouse if you hang in there with them, like a lifelong spouse, say, you know, I mean, you know, so go on the journey with them, I would say, to, to your listeners. You know, I just, it's just, it can be so beautiful. I totally uh, agree with that. Go on the journey together, because really what this is, it's a spiritual journey. It's, mm-hmm. And it's removing the garbage, the gunk, anything that we are, it could be anything that is keeping us from our truest, best life and who we really are, who God, I believe God intends us to be. So every human being needs this journey and it it is an awakening of sorts. So I think that's the best advice. Go together, you know, go on it together and, and support one another. Um, Because I think, you know, I think it's quite difficult if you're not going on it together in some way. Like I yeah, it's it, 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 it's doomed to fail. Yeah, and I could, I could write white a white paper on it with several cases of people I know personally just in this building that uh, that that's happened to because one really embraced recovery and the other one was not only you know by not embracing it they they tried to reexert control by bringing up stuff from the past and it just isn't that's not a way to go through any life, you know? Uh, um, so yeah, for me, I, you know, I, um, you know, I just feel like, I just feel very strong about this that, uh, you know, um, and this goes for anybody, like even, like even you, Michaela, when you're talking about not really at a rock bottom or really in a addictive compulsive approach to your drinking, you know, what was it in your life that you were trying to escape from by having that glass of wine? You know, what in your life, you know, again, it goes to the back to that, that, that I heard that was just so that floored me. Like, you know, build a life yeah. that you don't feel like you have to escape no, from. 
for me, it was social anxiety. And I've learned that with talking with one of our members and seeing that in her story, I'm like, wow, I, I kind of did the same thing where I would go to places that I would not enjoy being sober. And so I use alcohol to be able to deal with it and to cope with it and yeah, to have fun. But now I would like, I, I just, I wouldn't do those things. I do different things now uh, that just, it just feels so much better. I feel more whole. I feel, I feel aligned. It's a good, yes, that's a good that thing. Yeah. Perfect. Aligned. Yeah. Mind. I was so misaligned when I was doing those things and I knew it, but I, I, I was in it. So I didn't know, you know, if I stayed home versus that, and then I would have the FOMO, right. Then I'm like thinking, cause I was still so like in it. But once I decided, and you just have to decide, like, this is it, whether it's for a month or January or whether it's for a year, we have somebody not doing it for a year, right? Just removing it and seeing how it goes. Mm -hmm. Once you decide, then everything else unfolds. Mm -hmm. Everything else just is, is smoother than you think. Really tough. It comes with ease, actually, once we're aligned and we remove the poison. It's How wild. eerie is it that everything in the preamble of starting an AA meeting, the fear of financial insecurity goes away and you yeah. ability to solve problems. I mean, how, I mean, to me, it's almost shocking yeah. how much, how literal that is. That isn't just some pie in the sky, like bullshit. Yeah. It's like, that's legit real. It is. To me. Well, it is you'll be able to handle things that used to baffle you. Like it's mm -hmm. nothing really throws me off anymore. And it's all, it's all spiritual and it's wild. When I was drinking, everything threw me off. Everything was like, oh, I need a glass of wine. Oh my God, I'm so stressed. It's really not that big of a deal. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to pray. And you're just in this space. Like it's, we're so powerful. We are so powerful and we're so connected, but it is, um, it's, it's, and I will say everybody benefits. So yes. mm -hmm. if you're listening, you are, let's say married, if you, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have kids. I, you know, changing my relationship with alcohol, I know will change my daughter's relationship with hers. And, you know, for me, it was, I never wanted to, I never wanted my daughter to have a mom who like is hungover a few times a week and saying like, mommy, I'm, you know, a uh, baby go play. Mommy's tired. Like that just did not feel good to me. Um, you know, and, and I wrote a quote, Aaron, um, that I wanted to share on us uh, on our page, but it was something like, um, every child deserves or wants a sober parent, no matter what age, Oh, you know, um that's and, true and the thing is the kids watch they see if you wake up early if you exercise if you drink your water if you it's not about what you tell them to do they mm -hmm. watch what you do yes. they watch how you handle stress do you scream and and get upset at somebody that cut you off on the drive you know on the road or are you like oh they must be in a hurry you know what i mean just like see you show them how to handle life more at peace, more calmly, more securely. Mm -hmm. And um, that is that is my why. That's, that's great. And even in the bad days, yeah. you know, because not every day is perfect. 
By yeah, I still, I still yell. Life, oh, yeah. <laughs> still life on life's terms. Yeah. You know, and I come back to like the most basic. It's, you know, like if I'm, if it's a bad day, it's like, I'm not okay. This situation's not okay, but I'm going to be okay. Yes. You know, it's just, I, 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 again, this is a tool I learned in smart recovery, which is not a, it's all just very factual and it takes religion and the, it takes the emotion out of it, but just envision, I envision a hula hoop, you know, everything in here, everything inside the hula hoop, I control everything mm-hmm. outside. I don't, you know, so it's just like, you know, um, but it, as they're equally important because my thoughts, my actions, you know, right. my perceptions, um, that I control, but anything outside the hula hoop, I don't. And it also creates your reality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and calmness because it's like, you know, I have no control over what people think about me. I have no control over like the outside factors that may influence my paycheck that month, my relationship with my ex-wife, my relationship with my children, you know, there are outside factors. It's just, you know, it's how I react. And one biggest tool that you can take, like you can maybe take away from this is breath, the power of breath, the power of connecting to your body. And it doesn't have to be a 20 minute meditation. It can be, it's, you know, that can be beautiful too. And that's really impactful to, to help to change your brain and to create more peace and also create a different reality um, over time. But it's just breath, even as we're speaking, Perhaps, you know, somebody can get triggered by certain things that we talk about. Just come back to your breath. Take a deep breath. No matter what, we have that breath is life. Mm. And I do that with parenting. I do that with work. I do that when I'm stressed. I just come back to breath. And, and you know, the, the book Power of Now, I think, by Eckhart Tolle, I read that years ago. And just the power of now, like, are you in any danger or threat or whatever you're thinking about from the past? You're not right. Like, but our mind, um, my, our mind is so tricky. It just, no matter how much work you do, it will, it will sneak its way in there to, to try to shake you up or to, you know, give you limiting thoughts or beliefs or things like that. So it just, when you come back to the breath, it's hopefully for the most part, it's, it's all good. You know, and if it's not, you remove yourself from the situation yes. and you speak to somebody because that, that's another thing. It's like you can't breathe. OK, yeah, you can't breathe your way out, out of an abusive right. relationship with somebody who is an alcoholic that no, like it's not your reality won't change by you just <laughs> breathing like that. I'm not saying that right. I'm saying the day to day things in the moment, you know, um, you guys, you girls uh, practice box breathing. Yes. So yeah. that's four, four yeah, four count in, hold, hold four, four count, count out, hold, yeah. And I was taught that at the you VA. Know, <laughs> do you know that the box breathing, so there's like a there's a chemical reaction that happens when you do the box breathing that allows you to be in a state of sort of like what is kind of just like chill, like just be present. It brings you into the present moment. If you do the four, seven, eight breath, so if you're inhaling for less than you're exhaling, so your exhales are longer, you're putting your body into a parasympathetic nervous, you know, like um, in, in, in the rest and restore mode. 
when your breath is longer than your exhale, you actually get yourself like energized. So there's like different waves of breathing that will allow you to kind of like fine tune your body and manipulate and you get to like hack your body and your system to where you want it to be. So if you want to be fully present, yeah, the the box breath is amazing for that. I'm like listening to you explain it too. It's like why people reach for that glass of wine to chill out. You could just breath work and mindfulness, meditation, prayer. You are in that state all day and you can tap back into it at any moment. So here's the thing. I was, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, even wellness people who are, I I talked to you about this, about mushrooms and the psilocybin and and, and all of those things. Well, there's studies that show that the, the results that you get from doing things like this, if you have a consistent meditation practice, you're actually getting better results doing like having that, like doing that versus that. Um, cause that stuff does not last. And even though like, you know, the ayahuasca, like now it's like, it's like, that's what people don't even call that addicting or drug, but it is because if you have to go back to get that feeling mm-hmm. or that awareness, like for me, I can, I can tap into so many things in my mind. When I close my mind, I can travel, I can go back to different times. Like I don't need to take anything. We, we don't need to take anything. To and get the to thing that place. is too, it comes down to again, at its core, if you take something, you're escaping, right? Yeah. Anything, glass of wine, hit of acid, okay. you know, a handful of shrooms on a pizza, you know, whatever. Um, you're escaping, whereas by doing mm. breath work, I mean, you're addressing the same type, the same anxiety but you're not only not escaping, you are putting your feet right fucking where you are. You know, you are not escaping. You are sitting in it present. And nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. Everything will pass. What was it Mark Twain said? If you're going through hell, keep going. Yes. And I just, I love that quote. You know, we're all going to have moments of hell. Keep going. Breathe. Yeah. It's something that came up and I know I'm going back a bit, but because it's about relationships when someone stops, right. And it's not just your, you know, your romantic relationships. It's with your children. Like my children, when I stopped drinking this, Michaela, you just made me think of it. My daughter, you guys will die, would repeatedly try to get me glasses of wine. Oh. He could not understand where my glass of wine was because it was so, that was that normal. She's like, no, mom, you drink. No, mom, where's your rosé? Mom, stop. Where's your glass of wine? Mom, she would try to get, and I had to help her break up with that version of me and be like, no, babe, mommy doesn't drink anymore. I realize I have an allergy to alcohol. It makes me very sick. I cannot drink it. And I don't. I break out in handcuffs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it was, it's interesting because it shifts every relationship and having to like really navigate that within your home and with your kids, because, you know, and the flip side of that, my children never wanted me to miss a meeting. They liked this mom. Mm-hmm. They were like, and they didn't really understand what my meetings were. I said, I'm going on a meeting. It helps me feel better. 
mom, you're me. Oh my God. No mom. Uh, like if they ask me to take them somewhere, no, but you have a meeting. I'm like, don't worry, babe. I'm going to listen in the car. Then I'll jump back. Are you sure? They know. And to this day, I don't want you to have to miss your meeting. They really like this version of me. And they, they put the two and two together. And you love this version of you. And that's, that's yeah. what they're getting. It's I mean, they you. think I'm fully nuts and I am in sobriety because they're like, whoa, bring it down like 10 levels. Cause I'm like, life is amazing. You can do anything you want. They're like, yeah. they're like okay, mom, it's like 7am, <laughs> yeah. but it's, you know, versus feeling like crap, feeling like, Holy, just give me one minute. And they like drag myself out of bed and get to a workout. So I cannot be literally like not suicidal. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, but every relationship shifts when one person does change that relationship to alcohol, whether it's children, whether it's, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever it may be, husbands, wives, but it's a dance that you can do together. And I think Tom, that's like the best advice is to do it together and to really try to understand and see what that person is going through and educate yourself and maybe get something out of it too, because there's a lot of cool things in recovery and all these different modalities, you know, obviously I'm partial to AA, but I know there's so many great programs out there. Um, so I would encourage anybody who is listening to, to jump in with your partner and learn about it. I'll tell you a little bit. I, I, my, my sponsor, um, he, uh, it's his third marriage. He's been, he's been sober for 30 years, but he, um, the first two were during active addiction. Um, and, uh, you know, he's been married for a very long time and, uh, he brings his wife to every AA meeting and she sits there and loves it. You know, she calls us, Hey, I'm, you know, my name is blank and I'm Al-Anon. You know, that's how she identifies, you know, um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, you can do that. Uh, open meetings. He can. And depending on the home group, um, you know, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, they'll let you. Cool. They'll let you, you know, there's not really not anything anymore that a closed meeting because, you know, it's, it's, it's fun as the, as people are starting to learn that this is not a moral failing and it's, there's brain chemistry and a lot of other stuff involved in this, the shame's kind of gone away. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, uh, just, you know, with education and, uh, so there are less closed meetings yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Well, there are closed something like we have women's groups, men's groups. Yeah, there are some closed. But yeah. other than that, there's really not, I don't, I, you know, very few closed meetings. Normally open, like a speaker meeting is normally an open meeting where someone's sharing their story. Um, you know, I do have to laugh though, like the, one of the first couple of meetings I went to it's in it is just something to do with listen it makes sense in addiction people have like been multiple marriages like it's like so it's like you know you can like see this pattern like and then of course if you're not truly yourself and mm-hmm. you're using something it's not going to end well like you know so it's like you know so like oh i get it i get it you know it all makes sense but yeah that's really cool about your sponsor and his and wife. And, but what I like about this is like, it, it forces you to take a look at yourself and what you, what you can do better because Step I see forward. for those people who aren't in this situation, never sometimes get to learn this part of themselves, you know? So this is like a great way to open that door. 
Yeah, you don't have to be an addict. You don't have right. to have, you know, made a driving record of a serial killer or, you know, to actually go through this uh, self-exploration. Yeah. You can... It's a self-exploration. Exactly. It is. It is. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank well, you thank you, Tom, for coming on again and sharing all yeah. this amazing wisdom. And um, tell us where we can sure. find you. And yeah, um, you know, if, you, if anybody's struggling, um, family member mm-hmm. um, or the, the individual, please call our favorite hotline. We have uh, certified peer support specialists that, that are on that line 24 uh, 7. Phone number is area code 864. 864- Four three zero one eight zero two, and uh, you know it can be it's it, it can be as anonymous as you want it to be. Mm. Um, I encourage it for anybody, you know, because again, you know, at the end of the day, you know, interpersonal relationships that have addiction in it, you know, the whole family, everybody can and deserves a recovery. Yeah, one thousand percent. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and all of the contact info for Tom will be in our show notes and we'll see you next time. Ladies, this is awesome. Thank you. um, Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.